Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiasts. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Good morning. Welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Symmetra, LPGA, and Legends Tour, and so many others, helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome once again to the Women of Golf. And Cindy, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, although there's snow on the ground <laughs> and in the air. <laughs> Well, we're so going to we warm you up today. We tomorrow for boot camp in Orlando, <laughs> oh. so I'm going to see oh. the sun and see my granddaughters, and Kelly is uh, down filming Ricky Fowler this week for the Golf Channel for Golf Pass, so she'll be back on Friday. So I get to see everybody, and then we get to uh, help seven people from all over the country get better at golf, which is awesome. That's right. Uh, I think that is fantastic. So... Uh, a pre-welcome to the sunny south uh, tomorrow, so that'll be fun to have you down there. Um, all right, we've got a great show this morning. Uh, we're going to be joined here just a, a brief moment uh, by a young lady from the Symmetra Tour, uh, Gigi Stoll. She's going to be joining us here. And then a little bit later on, Alyssa Gaudet, uh, the founder of Women's Golf Day, is going to be joining us on the second half. We're excited to have both of them. So Gigi, of course, uh, started her rookie season in 2019 uh, on the Symmetra Tour, uh, Cindy, where she claimed three top ten, uh, sorry, three top five finishes, and she also attended the University of Arizona. So let's uh, let's bring her out and let's see what she's got cooking for 2021. Let's welcome our special guest. Good morning, Gigi Stoll. Good morning. Thank Good you morning. for having me. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, we we appreciate <laughs> you getting up bright and early. <laughs> we appreciate you getting up bright and early and joining us out in Arizona <laughs> a little bit earlier. But as Cindy said, you're, you're youthful and uh, you've got the energy to do that. So, um, so Cindy, I'm going to let you go first uh, and, uh, and start the conversation. You told us you're from Portland, Oregon. How long have you played golf? I began golfing when I was five years old at Portland Golf Club. Um, my dad was a professional golfer at one point and I always played golf uh, growing up but I always played other sports as well and when I got into high school I kind of decided that golf was, was what I really wanted to do. That's awesome. Awesome. Now did you play in lots of junior tournaments? Yeah I did. I began playing competitively when I was about eight. Um, I played in the Oregon Golf Association uh, events and just just saw my my talent as a at a young age and just really wanted to play golf. Wow, well that's easy. Did you get it? Did you graduate from U of A? I did. Yeah. 
And what was your major? Sports business. Really? That's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. That's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, sports business what is awesome is... because uh, yeah, I was able to I was able to, you know, learn about more of the business side of my career currently. Yeah. Like you're brilliant. What a great <laughs> idea. Now remember that we said when you win whether it's on Symmetra or LPGA Tour, you have to come back and you can't be too cool. Do you promise to do that? It's a deal. Okay, cool. I won't be too What's cool. What's the best? Okay, good. Um, what's the best part of your game? Um, the best part of my game probably right now is, is driving it off the tee. Uh, I think last year I was top 10 on accuracy and top 10 in distance off the tee last year. No way. You're long and straight? <laughs> Call me Rory. <laughs> what the hell? Nobody's long and straight. That's awesome. Can you putt? Putting, putting's my uh, my number two category. <laughs> Come on, really? Yeah, pretty Had, confident. We got to bet on this kid. This kid is like money. Yeah, I'm suddenly I'm suddenly feeling really bad about myself. Now, I thought I had a pretty good game, but uh, I I can't even come close to that. So um, I I think I'm going to take Holy up another cow. sport and get out of. The... <laughs> Yeah, that's Did incredible. Did your dad and, teach and you? Teach me a lot in my game. Okay. Good. Good, good, good. Ted, I'll shut up now. You can ask her something. No, that's that's all right. I've, I've, I'm actually learning something here. I'm, I'm taking notes as we're, we're having this conversation. So, Gigi, let me ask you something just to, to go back to what we were just talking about here. Um, you know, a lot of players, and I think this was really the, the point that Cindy was getting at, is very few pe- players sort of have an overall uh, game of that caliber. They're either, you know, long and maybe not so straight or the opposite. They're very accurate but maybe not uh, having a lot of distance. And then you've got obviously a pretty good putting game to uh, to back that up as well, which, you know, is really the complete package. So given that and you've been out now on the Symmetra, this is going to be your third season going into the Symmetra Tour, you've come really, really close. What do you think, if you look back and assess your own game, what has prevented you thus far from getting that number one spot? I think um, overall is just consistency throughout the year. We played 20 events, and I think in my rookie season, 2019, um, I really learned a lot about how to maintain that consistency throughout the season, um, you know, conserving your energy. We play at times eight weeks in a row. And so just understanding what your body needs and what you really need to succeed week in and week out. And I think kind of just putting all those things together this year will be play a huge role into, into my success. Do you think – uh, again, 2019 being your rookie season, you, you've come from the University of Arizona where you've played um, as part of a team. Um, now suddenly you're, you're out there essentially on your own. Um, was that, did that take some adjustment on your part? Uh, and, and tell us a little bit about the travel because obviously, you know, in the Symmetra, you're not, you know, hopping on planes and off planes most of the time. Most of the girls that, that are playing on Symmetra 
uh, are, you know, some of them might carpool with one another, but you're essentially traveling on your own from event to event. Did you find the travel and that sort of, you know, week in, week out grind a little bit uh, overwhelming at times? Yeah, like I said, the transition from college to the professional lifestyle, um, I mean, you're you're your own team now, um, and you kind of have to figure out who is your team and how how they can help you, you know, help conserve energy. Like I said, we play eight weeks straight um, in 2019, and just figuring out which events you're going to play in, how you're going to conserve your energy. We, like you said, we, we travel in our car, so mm-hmm. you know we'll play three, four days in a row, and then hop in your car and drive eight hours, and then get to your destination, and you have a practice round waiting for you. So, figuring out, you know, where where I need to only play nine holes, you know, in a practice round, and just resting and and getting ready is really huge. And it's something you don't really think about, you know, like I, I I drive eight hours and I'm like, why am I so tired? But it's because I just drove eight (laughs) hours and (laughs) you don't really realize how much energy you're using. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I I know I've done many long distance travels in the car and you're right. You don't, you know, you're thinking, well, you're sitting there and you know, the car is taking you from A to B. Um, but emotionally and, and mentally, you, you get fatigued, uh, even if you make a few pit stops along the way. So, again, going back, 2019, you come out, you had a, a really good season, you had some great finishes in that, and then, unfortunately, the pandemic hit last year, which kind of threw the schedule out of whack. What did you do to keep yourself focused? I mean, you didn't play probably about half the events in 2020 as you would have in 2019. Um, what did you do once things started moving forward a little bit and you were able to get back out and play. What did you do before then to keep yourself sort of in shape and in tune with, uh, with your game? Yeah, in 2020, it was a really hard year. I personally only played seven Symmetra events. So um, just the mental headspace was a little different. We had to, we had to quarantine, we had to pass COVID tests. So a lot of 2020 was just an adjustment period, um, kind of understanding what 2021 was going to be like. And um, I think 2020 was a just kind of an interesting year for um, just a mental headspace, but getting myself in shape and getting myself uh, working with my coach on the little things that I thought would propel me um, into this year. Uh, was kind of what I was focusing on in 2020. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's some uh, interesting points there because, you know, it, it's hard when you can't get out there. You're not competing week in week out. Um, the schedule is very you know spotty throughout uh, parts of the season, especially early on. You guys started off the first event and then all of a sudden, you know, everything was shut down for for uh, I think what a couple of months. Uh, mm-hmm. Something yeah, something I want to pick up on. You know, you mentioned you know being in sort of that team environment in the University of, of Arizona and then coming out onto Symmetra, your, your sort of your own, you know, cheering section and so forth. What do you do because you don't have your teammates to sort of rely on to pick you up when things aren't going well? What do you say to yourself or what do you do when you're in a moment or in a tournament, whatever the case may be, where things are not going the way you want? What do you do to pick yourself up? And who's your... Who's your, you know, what's your internal dialogue that you go through? 
Yeah, so having um, a caddy or someone kind of traveling with me is, is huge. I mean, they're kind of my, my support system. Um, and we spitball things off each other and just talk about the things, you know, that make me happy on the course. And having that person there is definitely key for me. But what's been nice is actually being able to travel with some girls on the Symmetra Tour mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. rooming with them and just being able to kind of get away from golf um, off the golf course. Yeah, I think that's that's crucial to have somebody there. And, and, and you know, one thing, uh, you know, Cindy and I, we've gotten to realize, you know, doing the, the interviews with many of the winners from the Symmetra over the years is that, there's been a lot of great friendships, even though you're competing and you're, you know, figure, figuratively speaking, you're trying to beat each other's brains out in the golf course. Um, you actually do form some, some very long, uh, you know, bonds, if you will, uh, with some of the other players that, you know, carry on when you get out to the LPJ and so forth. So uh, it's obviously a very close net group. Um, Cindy, I'm going to let you pick up from here. Yeah, speaking of that, I, I mean, I played college golf at Miami, and we won a couple of NCAA championships, and um, those girls are still friends of mine. And it's I'm not even going to tell you how many years ago it was, but it's really, really important. And, and the other thing, you know what I find? My husband and I, he played on the men's tour for 15 years, and our son kind of grew up. You know, we've got three kids, but one of them plays, and he's down at the Azalea right now that starts Thursday. Um, He said his friends were asking him, why are you driving to the tournament? He says, because I want to. And as much as you might hate driving all those miles from tournament to tournament, once it's in your blood, it's almost like a circus act. I mean, I love getting in the car. We play a Legends Tour event in Boston. And I love getting in the car and just driving to Boston. I can get on a plane. But you will find that all these things that you're doing, they'll stick with you for a long, long time. So what's your favorite thing about playing on tour? I love traveling. Um, I love seeing the different locations that we go to. Um, 2019 was really fun for me because I traveled to a lot of states that I had never touched. And, you know, like I said, getting to know some of the girls on tour and making those friendships has been really fun, but also just competing week in and week out. I I love just the grind and getting out there and just doing what I love. That's awesome. That's awesome. So give us an example of your week. You start Thursday. What do you do on Monday? Do you do anything? Yeah, Monday I'll usually play an 18-hole practice round. Um, and then from there, I'll kind of just assess what I feel like I need to do, whether it's I need to see the course more or I need to practice more. So Tuesday, I'll, I'll likely play a practice round, whether it's nine holes or 18 holes, and then practice before or after. And then Wednesday, we have a pro-am typically, and this week I am in the pro-am. So we'll play with – I'll play nine holes with an amateur – or three amateurs – and then tournament starts. Do you, um, when you play your practice round on Monday, 
Now, I, well, I'm going to back that question up. The hardest thing for me was when I was on the tour, I played the mini tour and then I played on the LPGA tour for three years, was the first year when you hadn't been to the city or the golf course. And it's like, okay, where am I going? And so the second year was so much easier because um, I can turn into a little bit of an anal idiot with a yardage book and like, okay, wait, how am I going to play this hole? Do you, do you take more time playing a practice round at a course that you've never been to for the first time. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think 2019 uh, was definitely more tiring because of that, because I had to learn the golf courses a little bit more um, when a lot of the girls had already played a few years or had been out there. And so just learning the conditions of the course or learning, you know, the layout of the land, um, takes a little bit more time if you've never been there. And so I think going into this year, um, had been had being to a lot of the uh, events already, now I can kind of just play the golf course and I have like a little bit more lay of the land. Awesome. Awesome. Ted? So, Gigi, you, you're living in Las Vegas. You're originally from Oregon. Obviously, that's a, a little bit of a a difference. Um, do you find, you know, playing and, and practicing in Las Vegas, um, I guess a different experience? Um, you know, obviously you've got a lot, it's a lot warmer uh, in, in Las Vegas. What was the, the appeal to going to Las Vegas? Why there as opposed to another area? So I spend a lot of time in Phoenix. My my golf coach is in Phoenix. And at the beginning of the pandemic back in last March, I was spending a lot of time in Phoenix. And the course I was practicing actually shut down because of COVID. And so I wasn't really sure what to do. And I have family in Las Vegas. So I drove up to from Phoenix to Las Vegas and kind of – <laughs> kind of got stuck there and just decided to stay once once I got there because I fell in love with Reflection Bay, which is where I practice now mm. and play out of, and just fell in love with the course. I really like the, the, the golf community there. It's a little bit smaller, um, but growing. So I really just found Las Vegas to be a good spot for me. Yeah, it's a beautiful area. It's a, obviously a much different climate than uh, probably what you're typically been used to growing up. Um, what's going to be your game plan for this year? Obviously, you, your number one is you want to get out and win tournaments and that, but uh, you're obviously ch- chasing your, your LPGA, LPGA excuse me, card. Um, what's going to be your focus this year? What primarily is going to be your, your goals that you're going to set for the season? And see, I think um, in 2019, I did have a lot of top finishes, but I did also miss quite a few cuts. And I think making more cuts this year is definitely a huge goal. Um, just performance week in and week out, energy con- conservation week in and week out, um, and just really grinding and, and not, not getting down on myself really ever this year is, is a huge goal for me. Yeah, and that's difficult. We've had some some of the young ladies uh, on here before, and uh, especially after a few seasons sometimes, especially if things aren't going your way, 
uh, you know, it's very easy to, you know, uh, lose the faith, if you will, for lack of better words. When you say, uh, you know, obviously we understand when you're saying you want to, you know, improve and, and be more consistent. When you didn't make cuts or when you didn't get to that number one spot, was there a particular part of your game? Was it your putting? Was it just the overall accuracy, uh, you know, not hitting enough greens? What was sort of the areas typically um, that were creating the most problems for you when you were playing? Typically I found myself um, either tired or getting kind of sloppy um, and, and missing more greens than I should and not not really having that mental focus um, just being ready to tee off um, and I think think saving my energy and knowing knowing what headspace is best for me uh, to compete in I think those things translate into my golf game and I think um, just being aware of that and knowing uh, you know how I can get in that better headspace before before the round starts I think those those things kind of do carry over into missing greens and not being able to perform at my best. So I think just understanding how to get there is definitely going to be key for me. What about off the golf course when you're not playing? Um, you all, it doesn't matter what level of player you are, you have to have some downtime. You have to have other things that keep you interested. What do you enjoy doing when you're not playing golf? Are there just kind of go home and chill or do you like to do other things? Um, what does Gigi do when she's not on the golf course? Yeah, I like to come home and chill. Um, I hang out with, you know, some of the girls that I'm traveling with, and we find fun things to do just to get my head away from golf. Um, I also just like to get creative sometimes. Um, I like to write some music lyrics, um, and that just puts me in a different, a different place, a totally different, you know, mind mind frame and just a time to relax. I think it's important to, I would agree. I think that's important to have, you know, something else uh, because you can't have your head in the game all the time um, because it it just, after a while, it it just becomes, I think a little overwhelming. You talked about um, a little while ago that, you know, your dad sort of started things off, taught you a lot of things. And then you obviously have um, a, a coach that you're working with. What do you remember through your earlier days the most that your dad taught you about this game? My dad has played a huge, huge influence in me starting golf and my journey in golf. And, um, you know, just little things here and there. Like, he he taught me how to hit a bunker shot. And, and like, just <laughs> just little tiny things kind of reside with me that he's told me. Um, just throughout my life, and subconsciously, uh, his tips are there still in my brain, um, and and just knowing that he is my support system and he's there for me when I need him, that's that's the biggest thing for me, and and our relationship. I think that's fantastic. Um, are you beating him now when you play? <laughs> He actually quit golf when I started beating him. <laughs> he, he doesn't play golf anymore. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh, 
that, yeah. It's sad, but it's true. <laughs> oh, that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's stepping aside and he's letting his daughter uh, be the shining star. <laughs> good for him. Oh, that's um, good. That's good. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Let me ask you so, something. If you were to say, if you were to give some advice to a young girl who's not sure how much she likes this game because it is mental torture, uh, but she thinks, you know, she's got some talent, she wants to play, uh, but she's not as good as she needs to be. Uh, she's on a high school team. She needs to, uh, let's say she's shooting like 80, 80 to 85. Wants to play college golf and she's a sophomore in high school. What would you tell her? Um, I would probably tell her, uh, well, firstly, probably get a swing coach that motivates you or, you know, gives you kind of an inspiration or, you know, just kind of some guidance. Um, I know a lot of girls who play can't really get over the hump. Um, and I think having someone who can help you out, whether it's even your high school or just someone at a country club that has, has played the game long enough, but that guidance and maybe that motivation or inspiration that they need um, could go a long way. Got it. Awesome. Ted? Very interesting. Would you, Gigi, consider yourself to be a really analytical player? Uh, are you more of a field player? How would you rate yourself? What what bracket would you consider yourself to be? Or something I'm different? I'm probably the furthest thing from analytical. Um, I played basketball growing up. I played up until my senior year of high school. And I think a lot of what I did in basketball, I take my athleticism and feel and I just take that on the golf course and I only have one or two things that I'm thinking about during a round and other than that, than that I just let my athleticism and feel take over I think that's great um, if golf was not in the picture what else would you like to be doing right now I think I would definitely still want to be in the sports industry in some way. Like I said, I graduated with a sports business degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure exactly what I would enjoy doing in the sports industry, but, but I just love everything about the competitive nature of, of sports and, and being right in there would be, <clears throat> would be so much fun. Would you like to do, for instance, you know, maybe into the broadcasting end of things or, uh, maybe in teaching that kind of area, you know, as, as something like Cindy, even though she played, um, she's an extremely accomplished uh, LPJ teacher professional. Would that be something that, you know, maybe you might even consider down the road doing? Yeah, I've definitely pondered it. Um, I, I love helping people and I think, um, you know, coaching instruction would be really fun to do somewhere down the line for sure. Very good. Well, Gigi, good luck this week and the rest of the season, and we hope to see you back very, very soon. And um, just have a great season. Go out and have fun, and and um, I think your your dad's uh, going to be very, very excited when that first win comes through. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, and I really enjoyed it. 
Good luck, honey. We appreciate it. You're going to do great. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Have a good day. All right. That was uh, Gigi Stoll. What a great young lady. You know, it's very interesting. You know, Cindy, I know we've said this many, many times on the show, but it's always interesting when you hear these young ladies talk about themselves and talk about their games. Um, You know, there's never... You know, there's never an arrogant tone. It's always a very humble, um, but very direct and to the point. They know what, what they want, um, and it's just really a testament to where women's golf is today. Um, what do you think about that? I don't think it's women's golf. I think it's junior golf. I think they've all trained for so long. I mean, she said mm-hmm. she started playing in tournaments when she was eight. You know, this is not right. a new thing. You know, so, mm. but you can also hear how much she wants it. And the humbling part is no one gets to choose when they win, right? Otherwise, mm. we all win every week. And, and right. that, those are the lessons the game teaches, which I think are great. The game of golf and life, needless to say. But God bless her. She's going she's gonna to make it because you, you hit it that long and that straight and you can putt. That's money. Yeah. 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 I, I think I think really the only thing that ever really gets into anybody's way when you've got that kind of talent is, you know, what's going on up between your ears, you know, the mental side of the game and, and your thought. And it sounds like she's got a good handle on that as well. So I agree. I think she's going to do extremely well this season. Um, you know, last season for many of them, it was it was kind of a setback because it was uh you know, with what we're all dealing with. But uh, I think she's going to come out strong this year now that they're coming back to a, pretty much a full season. And uh, she seems, you know, certainly anxious to get out there and, and, um, and, and you know, move forward. So uh, I think we'll have her back on before season's end. All right, before we bring Alyssa out, let me just uh, uh, go to a quick uh, uh, commercial here from Golf Tips. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe today. All right, we're very excited to have back on the show. Uh, it's been a few years since she's been on, but uh, Alyssa Gaudet is the founder of Women's Golf Day. Uh, she's a, a very, very interesting guest and uh, good round series, which is Good morning, Ted and Cindy. Thank you for having me on. Not a problem. We we appreciate uh, you joining us again, and uh, we're glad that you uh, that you're joining us early this morning. So, where are you currently right now, Alyssa? Just uh, before we start, in West Palm Beach, Florida. Okay, so you're kind of somewhat in my. I'm in Northwest Florida right now, so you're kind of in my uh, neck of the woods. So we're pretty much on the same. Uh, same time zone in that. Um, so let me just start things off real quick here. And 
let's talk about last season um, with Women's Golf Day, which uh, I believe is what, June 1st, is that correct? Yes, it's, it, this year it's June 1st. It's always the first Tuesday in June. Okay. What about last season, given the global pandemic? Was that, uh, did that have to be canceled, or were you able to uh, you know, continue forward with the event? Tell us what happened last year. So what we decided to do was uh, on, yeah, last year was a June 2nd date, um, mm-hmm. was to move the date for the actual events to September. You know, at the time we're doing this, it was probably March, April, as everybody else was changing uh, dates, either delaying or canceling. So we pushed ours to September, and um, first Tuesday in September, and we decided to do a digital day. And we reached out to all the people that we've partnered with um, in our, everybody from the USGA, the RNA, PGA of America, um, as well as a lot of the MCOs, whether it was Troon or Club Corp, anybody that had, and some individuals uh, that have worked with us and First Tee and everybody, because we really do kind of, are a, somewhat of an anomaly, I think, in the golf industry that we kind of get everybody to play in the sandbox uh, for this one event. <laughs> But they all gave us videos, and we now have over 50, you know, 50 videos on our website. And we kind of just we launched them all on that day, and it was free. Anybody could go. And we broke it down under our pillars to, like, engage, empower, and support. So, uh, once again, we never want to, like, compete with anybody. We hope that we are creating a funnel to there's so many amazing teaching professionals out there, male and female, you know, that we really just want to kind of shine a light to have people go to them um, and just, you know, get them involved and get them excited and existing golfers similar, like, you know, uh, reinvigorate them. So that's what we did. And, we, and those videos are there for anybody to watch anytime. And we have, you know, a message, wonderful message from Jack and Barbara and Susie Whaley and, you know, whether it's from the industry, a wonderful story from a young woman from a First Tee program. I believe it was First Tee of Connecticut. So, yeah, it's really nice. So let me um, just ask you about Women's Golf Day. Um, when did you sort of come up with that idea to, to do that, and why did you decide to do it? So in 2016, and you know, I've been in the industry for 20 years now, um, and I've been to a number of conferences, like many of us, that especially on the business side of golf, and um, had heard over and over how they wanted to get more women into golf but it never really felt like there was an actionable plan. You know, it was, and I think it's difficult. You know, it's not an easy thing. I mean, people have the best of intentions. And I was at a conference, a sports business journal conference in Manhattan, and I remember that they were talking, there were some people talking from the NFL, NBA, MLB, and how they were seeing women as economic influencers and targeting them specifically, whether it was to buy shirts at Christmas, and I'm sure we've all heard these commercials, um, you know, buy their favorite shirt for their niece, granddaughter, grandson, what have you, when they have a woman's voice. So they were approaching it that way, and I, you know, thought that we really hadn't done a good job of doing that, um, of really seeing the economic power that women yield and what that means to the golf industry, be that buying a home on a golf course, having your children play golf, hosting your daughter's wedding at a country club, um, a lot of those things generate a lot more revenue 
than having the woman play once a week all year long. So uh, that is kind of what the impetus was. And then, we, you know, we I, I talked to a lot of the MCOs. I talked to Troon and Club Corp and PJ Tour Superstore at the time, you know, the people that were in the, you know, marketing divisions. And uh, we came up with, you know, they gave me some advice as to don't do it on a Monday, do it on a Tuesday, do it in June, early in the year, the beginning of the golf season. And we at the time, remember, we were just thinking this was going to be maybe a U.S. Canada thing. Never, <laughs> wasn't, you know, there wasn't a business plan laid out, raise capital, and let's go execute on this. It was kind of a side project. You know, uh, Cynthia Howard from the PJ Tour is a good friend. I used to work for the PJ Tour. So a couple of people that we had, you know, they were veterans, um, you know, worked on this. And I beta tested it at Granite Links in Boston. So with a bunch of women and everything that all the data that I've been reading over the years and, and most recently that said women were quick to come into the game, but equally as quick to leave. They didn't mm-hmm. feel comfortable. They didn't, it took too long. Um, they didn't feel like there was products or things for them. Uh, they didn't understand, didn't, you know, understand how the game worked or what have you. So all of that stuff, we just flipped it. So what Women's Golf Day is in the, like an event in a box, and it is a format and a format that works. So, you know, four-hour experience. The first two hours are golf, and women show up, and they either have the choice of taking lessons, so it would be an hour on the driving range, an hour chipping and putting, or play nine holes, and probably in a scramble, because this is more about unity, community, playing together than competition on this particular day. And then the second two hours is socializing. So in that moment as well, it kind of breaks down barriers to get women get more comfortable. You can have a CEO that's never played golf and you have a stay-at-home mom as a single-digit handicap. You know, you just don't know. There's so many different ways that that works out. And women are, are, are social beings and we're communicators and community and just learn mm-hmm. differently, I think, uh, to some degree than men or that's the way, you know, there's some preferences of how they prefer to do things. So that's what happened, and it organically took off. We didn't do any advertising. You know, we had 400 and some odd locations in 28 countries the first year. And now, you know, we're up to 900 locations in 68 countries. And I think when you think about that for a minute, wow. 68 countries, all of us can probably name 10 that you would naturally, 10, 15 that you naturally think of for golf. Mm-hmm. So, we're, you know, we're in Uganda, Nigeria, uh, Saudi Arabia, um, Dubai, six Muslim countries. So that's the part I'm super proud of. You know, I think we really are creating, you know, what I, this year very much, I keep saying, I think for our team and for everybody, what our job is to create opportunity and unity. You know, just giving women opportunities and creating that kind of unity, camaraderie, We've always heard about the fraternity of golf. Well, I think this is the sorority of golf. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. And uh, you certainly have done a fantastic job, uh, especially in such a short time, to to get it to the level that it is. And it's just like you said, every year it's growing and growing and growing. And and um, you know, you've done a, a and and you and your team have done a fantastic job and 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 really, you know, welcoming women of all you know, ages, backgrounds, and so forth uh, into the game, um, many for the first time. And that's really, you know, what we need to do is, um, you know, it's very easy to say grow the game, but you have to do it in such a way that's going to want to make them 
uh, you know, as you said, feel welcome and want to stay uh, in the game. Um, I'm going to bring Cindy uh, in here into the conversation. Cindy, I know you've got some questions for Alyssa. How many women, once they do the day, continue to play? Do you have any numbers on that? No, we don't really have uh, too much. We're starting to do some some uh, studies this year. We're doing one um, right now with Akushnet, and we're going to do one with the NGF. So we don't really track it. So you know, we do our best, but I mean, we can't. We're trying to be like a little tough sometimes to be all things to all people. But we would love to mm-hmm. partner with like PG of America, USGA, where those um, stats are important. It's kind of hard because I would say we're like the New York Marathon inverted. And I don't know that, you know, the New York Marathon knows how many times people went running before they did the marathon or, you know, if they continued after. So, you know, we're, we know we get a lot of testimonials. We get a lot of people that write in, whether it's through social media or directly to us. And it's, we've heard some phenomenal stories of how people have gone on to actually was so engaged by it, became a PGA teaching pro and, stories like that, but we don't have any, like, hard data of um, who went on after. The thing that we do here is that each, that most of the locations, they have exponential growth. And there are things that we can track when we work with things like the MCOs, and the multi-course owners, somebody like a, a Club Corp or even Troon, or, you know, where they, they, they are controlling a number of different locations. They can give us data, like, year on year. And they grow every year. These events and people look forward to it. It's the same date, you know. So we have seen that. That's great. If someone's listening and they know a woman who would love to do this, how would they sign up for this year? Sure. So um, it's womensgolfday.com. And on our uh, site, there's two buttons right there on the top. There are a couple different places. But it says find a location. And we just went through a huge um, website overhaul. And uh, what I highly encourage women is, no matter where you are, even if you're in, in a city, because we have private courses, public courses, resort courses, and off-site. So it could be Five Iron in Manhattan or all of the 46 PGA Tour Superstores, which we just did a partnership with uh, last week. And... Um, you know, they're very much getting behind this and wanting to do not just that, but things throughout the year. Um, so that you can go on and find, you put in your zip code, your country, what have you, and it's going to pull up all the locations that are near you. And then you can also choose, like I said, even Top Golf. you know, if you want to have that or if you're a really beginner, you just feel comfortable walking into a store sometimes, it's a little more comfortable than showing up to a golf course. Um, so any, anything that, you know, feels most compelling to them, I encourage people to look in May. Um, the beginning of May, late April, beginning of May, because all of the locations are coming on now, you know, every year. It's for various reasons, and now even because of COVID and what have you, just to let it populate. And if a location wants That's to go, awesome. we, you know, obviously encourage them to go on. It says right there, find, you know, um, register a location, and we encourage them to go on and register a location and, and participate. So if a woman, let's say she lives in a big city and she doesn't want to walk into a golf course, she could go into a PGA Superstore and ask them, how do I participate in Women's Golf Day this year? Yes? She can go in there and ask them, but she can just, they'll, she can go to a, on that day, they host a Women's Golf Day event. 
They do it in their simulators. They do it on the putting green. They do clinics. They have refreshments. Okay, so it's they do not a, off-site. It's right there. That's great. Right there. Yes. Mm-hmm. And even, like I said, there's others that are just, you know, one-offs or places that have one or two. Um, we try to work with everybody. As long as they have, like, a simulator or um, putting area, any retail location, we want to make it accessible. And usually those are free. So it's even better, you know, for there's, like, no harm, no foul. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to lose <laughs> much by going. You know, Absolutely. No, um, yeah, and that's that's been something that's been very um, rewarding too. You know, is that the industry is really wanting to get behind it and do it. Um, and like I said, you know, in the last year or two, we've had I see the development. It's not to necessarily plug them, but it's just see the people that are genuinely interested. Like we said, it takes more than just talking about it. So, you know, Callaway partnered with us at the end of last year before our September event. You know, and they launched a club called Reva. It's, they actually did the research and development to develop, to develop clubs designed for women. So, I mean, I think those kind of things that we're seeing as well, Titleist with the golf ball, FootJoy, we're seeing them making products and doing things specifically for the female market. You know, which is, is nice. Which is too, right? what they Money with their mouth. I, I totally agree. Ted? Um. Yeah, I think that's fantastic and, and long, long overdue. Alyssa, let me ask you something. I want to go back to something you were just talking about um, with sort of the non-traditional golf locations, you know, uh, and I'm referring to not out in the golf course. I think that's great that the PGA, you know, Superstores and, you know, Top Golf and some of these other locations um, offer women to participate um, for a number of reasons. Obviously, it gives more places for them to go to. But also, I think for maybe some women that are, you know, very, very new to the game, never played, and maybe a little more intimidated in actually going out and playing, you know, a round out on a golf course, this gives them a way of participating and kind of dipping their toes in the, in the water, if you will, uh, and, and learning a little bit uh, through some of the clinics and things that they're offering. So I think that's a great uh, approach to do that. I, I want to go back real quick to, you know, I know on the website, you know, if a location wants to register, uh, but what typically are you doing right now to sort of reach out to some of these other courses? Are, uh, you know, do you have some marketing uh, campaigns and things that you're reaching out to a lot of these uh, different communities and saying, hey, this is something that we think you guys would like to uh, be involved in? Or, or what's your process to, to try and attract more locations? Yeah, so and we more have countries, ambassadors. Actually. Yeah, okay. so we have ambassadors in a number of countries. Um, and we work with them because obviously they can explain it in their language. And it's just, there's no like hard selling here. It's a nominal fee for these right. locations to join. We don't charge the consumer. The event can be public or private and they can charge a fee or not charge a fee. It's their own micro business for the day. And because of that, we have everybody from, as we've already mentioned, the PJ tour superstore and these type of locations, munis, resort courses, Olympic club, Valderrama, Westchester, you know, all around the world. So that's also an advantage because they can do a, um, a member appreciation day or a member invite a guest to, you know, just out on a driving range. Um, they, the, we work with, as, as I mentioned before, so it's the RNA has been hugely helpful. Um, mm-hmm. We work with the PGA of America, USGA, all of the MCOs who that as I mentioned before, Club Corp and um, Troon and Billy Casper, which I know changed to Indigo. 
mm-hmm. and a number just you know Kemper everybody that's the easier way you know that all the federations sure. we send out so we send out emails once a month we don't bombard people but I think by now too people are aware of it because we are working with the um, you know NGF and the International Golf Federation and the federations individually so like this year we had it on and we, we set goals every year and some of it, obviously, because of the fact that the RNA is responsible for um, the governing of golf outside the U.S. and Mexico, they kind of indicated to us as well. We worked with them, and we uh, went into Japan, which, you know, God willing, the Olympics will happen. So our event will be a month before the Olympics starts, and we do have a couple courses. And wow. It's launching in Japan, and with that, we did our website is in Japanese, French, and Spanish this year. So, I mean, these are all pretty big undertakings. We're still kind of a small team. But um, so right. yeah, we're going to be in so in Japan for the first time, Argentina for the first time, France we've been in, but we're looking to have a lot more courses, and we brought on an ambassador there, and the same with Spain. So, wow, uh, so that's what we, we we do. We just like also messaging the MCOs. You know, this, like I said, this I feel like this is the ultimate Jerry Maguire. Help me help you. Because <laughs> think about it. What do we gain out of it? Ours is a one day, like I said, the New York Marathon inverted. Instead of everybody coming to us, we go to them. But who this helps are the retail locations, the people that are looking to drive membership, the people that are looking to give classes that are engaging women. So that's I do. Like, you know, I think these organizations um, understand that this is something that can help them. Yeah, golf is definitely something that, you know, we're seeing more and more women executives, for instance, are, are taking to the links, if you will. Uh, they're recognizing the power of what golf can do them from a business standpoint. You mentioned something earlier, and I just want to, you know, would love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned or you touched on how many women, you know, come into the game, but we seem to be losing a lot as well. In, in your thoughts from what you've uncovered over your, your 20 plus years in the industry, um, what could the industry be doing differently to, we're certainly seem to be attracting a lot based on some of the, the more recent numbers. I think this past season, you know, despite the pandemic, we had nearly a half a million uh, new female golfers. Um, but if we're losing close to that or maybe even more each season, there there must be something that we could or should be doing differently to make them want to stay in, in the game or, or continue on in the game. What would your thoughts be on how we could approach this a little differently um, from the industry standpoint in order to keep them in the game? Yeah. Um, the number one thing I think, and it, women, yes, but I think it may apply to a lot more than just women, too long. Make nine holes, like, socially acceptable and, you know, good. And I'm not the only one. Jack's been saying this for years. I know he talks about 12 holes, Jack Nicholas. Right. But um, yep. I really do think, you know, if you think about it, People just don't have the time that they can take the whole day usually and just blow off their family or whatever. There's so much you can look at. People are getting married later in life, having mm-hmm. children later, all of that. So you can't just do, you know, necessarily leave for the day unless you get your whole family involved, which is one way. But um, I do think nine holes because if you think about it, you're still looking at four hours. You know, you go there, you warm up a little, you play nine holes, and you want to at least have a bite or a drink. I mean, you don't negate the 19th hole. As you know, I have a book series on that. But right. I think that that is <laughs> the social aspect. And given the fact that I, you know, studies show or what have you, that women are more social beings, um, 
and that's important to them, community or, you know, connectivity, that that's going to be another important component. So I think that, and I do think that also they're seeing, like I said, when you see more products coming out for you, it's like anything, even when you see, when you hear, you know, what we've all done in the last year, learn some lessons, whether it's about inclusion and you listen to African-Americans and black people mm-hmm. and they're saying, you know, hey, listen, there's nothing out there that represents me. There aren't dolls that look like me. There aren't, you know, people that look like me in positions. So similarly, I think that that's it. And when I talk to you about the videos, I think one of the important things we want to do with the videos was that we have, whether it's a young girl from the first tee or Jan Bell Jan, who's a female golf course architect, who's now the president of the architects, you know, association, show that there Mm -hmm. are people, show that there's, Cindy Miller, hello, (laughs) excellent example. You know what I mean? There's women that are broadcasting, that are doing things, you know, and sometimes, obviously, we take it for granted because we're so in the industry. We get a thousand of these emails. We see this stuff all the time. But when you're a casual person and you walk into a store or your friend talks about it, you see it, you don't necessarily know about Jan Baljan or, or, or Cindy Miller. So we got to get that information in front of people and so that they see that, not just only for them to participate, but feel welcome no matter who you are and where you come from. And that there's a path and there's people doing it, you know, as a business and other outlets besides just playing rec- recreationally. Well, you raise a very interesting point. Right. Do you think it's a, it's more of um, a marketing problem uh, as opposed to – because you mentioned something. You pointed a couple things out, you know, like the Cindy Millers, like the Jan Beljan, and, and many others that, that are, you know, helping to contribute to, to make this a, a great game. Do you think that overall that, you know, again, not showing – a lot of these great examples to the general public. You know, it's one thing within the industry. We celebrate all of these uh, great women who have, you know, spearheaded, uh, you know, uh, great careers both on and off the tour um, and in business aspect. But you think that maybe we need to do a better job of marketing that information out to the masses so that they say, hey, you know what? It's not just a men's sport or it's not just a, um, a pro a tour sport it's something that i can get involved with as well what are your thoughts i think so very much and i have all the respect in the world for the lpga and the let and we work with them but i think when it comes to women even more than men there's a, a big difference between professional golf and amateur golf what they want mm-hmm. out of it i think like men want to emulate and want to be like the tour players women i feel play golf because they want to connect they want to relax. They want to be mm-hmm. out in nature. They want to have a good time. They want to challenge themselves or compete. But it's not so much emulation like I see. You know, I work for the PGA Tour, so I mean, I'm, I'm no expert. I've been around the block quite a while. And I've seen all of this. <laughs> and that's what we've seen and time and time again. And I mean, our thing has got to be proof positive. You know, we don't, like I just told you, we don't advertise. We just, and we reach out to locations, governing bodies, all of that. And I, I think that we do need to do a better job, and I, don't, I think it's through getting Cindy Miller, Renee Powell, Jan Beljan, Young Girls, in Vogue magazine, in Glamour, not talking to ourselves. We did a lot of talking to ourselves for a lot of years. So I just think right. that I don't know who the PR machine that can help make that happen. But like I said, beyond people that have careers or that are doing – that's interesting. No matter what we see about women that are engineers or you know, have career tracks – and they are breaking the glass ceiling. 
I think it would be interesting um, you know, to see more of that in more mainstream. You know, and, and that's there is a difference because you can't compare or take necessarily a professional player. That's a, a different track. That's like any other, like NBA, NFL. You know, that's its own thing. We're talking about right. that every woman could be like, oh, I could do that. You know, or I can have a right. have to have an extreme, amazing skill set to be able to do this. Oh, you know yeah, and that's exactly that you're saying this. I just I have to interject. Um, we have three children, right? They all know how to play golf because it was you're going to learn to play golf because your parents are both pros, and only one of them is any good. And our daughter, the only reason she did um, interclub right was when she was 13. It was because she wanted to meet the boys at the other country clubs. And Kelly can barely break. She's broken 91. She plays once a year, could care less. She's, you know, senior production coordinator at the Golf Channel. Why? Because she understands the game. So I think we need to really communicate that you don't have to be good at this. It is something that's going to help change your life. And I think, you know, the first tee tries to do that, but I think we're missing the boat. And the LPGA Girls Golf Club tries to do that. But I think we also, we don't care how good or bad you are. Let's just go have fun and hit a ball. Yeah, and that's that's where, where we differentiate. I think that's the the spot that we filled. That and and we say whether you're young or old, and like with the first tee, we encourage those locations to host the women's golf day and ask that young girl to invite whoever she wants. It doesn't necessarily have to be her peer, her babysitter, right. her grandmother, her mother. There you go. You know, somebody. It's it's the most. You know. We break down all those barriers, and it's fun. We have women that put boas on and. You know, funny sunglasses, we encourage the locations. I mean, they started this a couple of years ago in Australia, and even I picked up on it because we did one two years ago, not lot, this past 20, 2019, at the David Ledbetter in Orlando. They had a 124 yep. women. And it was insane. And we just, you know, brought some of this stuff from, like, you know, a party city kind of place. And it was just the best. Because, you know, social media and everything, people want to take pictures. And so it's pretty simple to do something you know, staying in front of your club logo or what have you and getting these women and it just, that's it. So it's fun, feel good, you know, and it's very, the camaraderie. And I said, if you do competition, do things like most improved or closest to the pin or long drive, things like that. But um, we compete a lot. And I think everybody's kind of fried with Corona and everything else. Right. And I just don't support a loving environment we could all use. (laughs) Right. you know, totally agree. Unless your paycheck is dependent upon it, like the lovely <laughs> guest you had before me, you know, uh, you know, I, I think that, yeah, the rest of us, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point, really, is, again, and that's what I was getting at about the marketing, is, you know, really most people, including myself, what we see, you know, in, in the broad spectrum of, of marketing and media is, at the tour level. And for most people, that's like, well, wait a minute, you know, uh, you know, unless you have aspirations of that and you've been working on it since, you know, as Gigi did since she was, you know, introduced the game at five and started playing in tournaments at eight, um, you know, we don't have a hope in heck of, of getting out there on the PGA or LPGA tour. So again, we, we have to certainly um, talk about those, those things and, 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 and uh, share that and market that. But I think the other side of the industry as well and just sort of welcoming, you know, what I call everyday folk out to the golf course just to have a good time, 
I think is something that is is needed and has not been uh, done as as well as it could be. So that's something that we need to work on moving forward. Uh, Elisa, real, real quick, can you just remind everybody uh, when Women's Golf Day is and uh, that website one more time if people want to go and get more information? Yeah, absolutely. Women's golfday.com w-o-m-e-n-s golfday.com and our event is tuesday june 1st all around the world starts in australia and ends in hawaii so for 24 hours straight going on somewhere um same our hashtags at women's golf day you can follow it seeing stuff going on um definitely encourage everybody with our instagram facebook twitter and all of those linkedin and um and may 25th you know we'll have a a digital day, a virtual conference. It'll be free to everybody. So looking forward to that as well. And we'll get you guys some more information as we get closer. But um, hopefully, Perfect. yeah, we can just make it more fun, feel good, and have every, as many women participate as possible. And the digital event, Thank they can so access much. off the website as well? Um, it's not on the website yet. It will be coming up. Okay. All right, that's what I mean. That's where they can go to find more information as it becomes available. All right, well, Alyssa, thank you very much for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. We appreciate it, and keep doing the great work that you're doing, uh, you know, not only bringing uh, more and more women to the game, but empowering them through the many different events and different projects that you're working on. We appreciate it, and keep up the great work, and you're welcome back uh, anytime to to share uh, with our audience. Yes, and thank you greatly, because it is folks like yourself that help us uh, get the word out more and get more people involved. It's a, it's a team effort. <laughs> <laughs> great job, well, we're happy my to be dear. Part- good luck. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Uh, Alyssa Gaudet, uh, founder of Women's Golf Day. You can go to womensgolfday.com and check out uh, more information. That is uh, June 1st this year. Uh, and there will be um, a lot of great events going on around the world. So check that out. Participate even more so. All right, we want to thank our very special guests uh, for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. As always, we appreciate it, and we appreciate you joining us here uh, live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern. Um, I think that's it, Cindy. I think we're good to go, and I think we, uh, we look forward to celebrating next week with our first winner from the Symmetra Tour. So we hope you'll come back and join us. God bless everybody and have a great day. Thank you, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStreamLive, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash womenofgolf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.